welcoming you to the Mental Health Comedy Podcast with Ed Krasnick and Jennifer Kalari. Jennifer will be along in a few minutes. And this is the show where we talk about and practice mental health skills. Our special guest today is an old friend and a, a terrific writer, comic, and actress, a host. And she's written on shows like Mom and The George Lopez Show and recently the critically acclaimed Secret Life of Boys for the BBC, Laura House. Laura was my first meditation teacher, and she is a meditation teacher. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about all kinds of things. We're going to talk about her life and catch up in just a little bit. It's the end of the year. I'm exhausted. I know you're exhausted. The world needs a giant nap. Everybody needs to lay down in a bed or, or a cot and have like the sun coming through the window and just, you know, we've, we've survived so much. And look, if you're, if you're alive, if you have what you need, you're grateful and you're lucky. And I'm, I'm saying you, I mean me, I'm grateful and I'm lucky. Uh, in fact, I'm going to change my name to Lucky Krasnick. That will be my new name. And I am the happy-go-lucky Jew. I'm amazed every time that we actually have a recording that works. I'm like Alexander Graham Bell, like every time, because it's like I can't believe that we're actually recording remotely and it works. There is something coming out I'm very excited about. It's a mental health comedy coloring cookbook, and it's called If You're Alive, Everything Else is Gravy. I'm working on it right now, and it is recipes for your physical and mental diet slogans, skills for living, recipes. It's also a coloring book. And I'm hoping to make it scratch and sniff. That hasn't happened yet. But it's from simple tips for your emotional health to simple recipes for your physical health. You know, things like things like when Kevin Pollack told me to add cinnamon to my coffee. This changed my life. When uh, Lisa Barr, the great Lisa Barr, told me to add balsamic vinegar to pea soup. These are things that are game changers, emotionally and physically. So this is uh, a new cookbook, and it is called If You're Alive, Everything Else is Gravy, or If You're Still Alive. I like it. I'm working on it. It's coming out. I'm saying it right now. Now, there, the World Health Organization rates the happiest places on Earth, um, and, and then also the happiest cities. And I will tell you that I think you may guess, well, first of all, in terms of countries and mental uh, health issues, especially mental illness, the United States is number one. And we always like to be number one. And so we're number one with mental illness. I want you to know that. Number two, and also Colombia follows behind, the Netherlands, the Ukraine. They have higher, higher prevalences of... Uh, of, of mental disorders. Nigeria, Shanghai, and Italy were consistently low, and the prevalence was much lower in Asian countries in general. Now, the 10 happiest uh, cities to live in, if you're thinking, maybe, I, maybe it's the city. Maybe it's not me. Helsinki, number one. Helsinki, Finland, number one. Aarhus, Denmark, number two. Wellington, New Zealand, three. Zurich, Switzerland, four. Copenhagen, Denmark, five. Bergen, Norway, six. Oslo, Norway, seven. Beginning to see a pattern. Tel Aviv, eight. Stockholm, nine. And Brisbane, Australia, 10. The rest, why even bother? But there are five things that the World Health Organization interviewed people from Finland about how to be, how to practice happiness. And these are the five from Finland, from the Finnish perspective. And the great thing about Finland is they don't have anything hanging over their heads because they're finite. No, I won't say that. Number one, experience the relaxation of the forest on your sofa. This is during Corona, how to be happy. Experience the relaxation of the forest on your sofa. Two, start your day with a cold shower. I don't think I can do that, but I appreciate it. Number three, make sense of the world by reading a book. Number four, bake a cinnamon bun. And number five, enjoy art online. This is the difference between Finland and the United States. How many people would even say those things? Uh, I don't know. All right. I'm going to start with emotional shout outs and then we'll talk to Jennifer and then Laura. Uh, these are emotional shout outs. No matter what state you're in, we always welcome you to the show. Here are emotional shout outs. If you think How the Grinch Stole Christmas should be made into a live-action documentary starring Rudy Giuliani, welcome. If you think New Year's Rockin' Eve should be hosted by Dr. Anthony Fauci, welcome. 
If you think Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez should start a band called Run AOC, welcome. If you've started to prohibit travel from the bedroom to the bathroom, welcome. If you feel like Elvis in the 50s because you're never shot on camera below the waist anymore, welcome. And if you're okay with with sharing your screen but not okay with sharing your feelings, welcome. And if you watch the movie Castaway and you envy Tom Hanks for having a ball to talk to, welcome. And if you're beating yourself up even now, there's always a place for you right here on the Mental Health Comedy Podcast. I've gone on way too long. Jennifer Kalari, you have had a vacation and you're feeling much more relaxed. I have. I had a great vacation. It was really nice to get away. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, because it's the end of the year. Let's talk about healing and making reparations. Let's, how, how is a way that you can, because I feel like we were all sort of in a state of post-traumatic uh, stress syndrome. What are some simple ways that you can kind of repair and, and heal uh, from the past year and, and things that you can sort of practice that, that might come easily? Sure. Well, I mean, the, I think the biggest thing that comes to mind is like forgiving yourself, right? We're, we're, this has been a tough year. It's, it's been hard. And, you know, if you get mad at yourself, you think I should have done this and I should have handled that better. And I don't like that. That, that negativity is not good for you. It's not good for any of us. So to really just be kind to yourself and forgive yourself with real self-compassion, kind of give yourself a pat on the back and know that you did the best that you can. And there's always tomorrow. You can always fix it, right? You can always keep going. You can always change. And I think self-forgiveness, self-compassion is really, really important. And if you're in a state of stress or if you're like, like, I'm like just re- reacting to having a few minutes to quiet down and I, and I feel exhausted. I don't know what's, maybe I'm not drinking enough water. I don't know what's going on. I, honestly, though, I'm hearing that from a lot of my clients that I work with. And then I work with lots of families online through uh, our online courses and work with people from all over the world. And so many people are saying that right now. They're just exhausted, so tired. And so part of the reason we're all so tired is worrying and stressing, being anxious is exhausting. It really is. It makes you very, very tired. So focusing on a lot of the strategies that we've talked about before in the show, right? We're thinking about the next best feeling thought and trying to stay neutral and trying to take your brain and take it in a different direction um, can really, really help with this very heavy, heavy, dense feeling that everyone is describing. Even kids that I work with are telling me they're exhausted. Yeah. So it's, it's, we're literally the weight of the world, I think, is on everybody. Well, I, as a kid growing up in school, when the teacher punished the class and she had everybody put their heads down on the desk, was my mm-hmm. absolute favorite time. <laughs> I can't even describe how happy I was. It was like, now we can just stop. Um, I like stopping. I, I don't want to give you the wrong impression that I love life and I'm very grateful to be alive. I really am. I just uh, would like to put my head down. Um, um, <laughs> and have a nap. Well, you said the world needs a nap. Well, yeah. So really, I mean, meditation is huge. We can, I'm sure we'll t- talk about that today, but we, yeah. you know, have really lovely meditation. It doesn't even have to be that long can equal sleep. It really can. Mm. And, and knowing how to sort of pull inward into yourself and find that centered place and calm down a little bit can give you a lot of energy. You know, it's a bit of a cycle too. You and I were talking about this at the beginning of the show, you know, you get tired and then you don't feel like exercising anymore. And then the more you don't exercise, the more tired you feel. And the more tired you feel, the more you don't feel like exercising. And then you eat more and you sort of end up in this negative feedback loop. So one, I think a, you know, a great way to start moving, and, and that'll be something everyone's talking about for the new year, don't tell yourself, oh, I'm going to go start jogging, or I'm going to you know, run around the block, or I'm even going to walk for 30 minutes. Tell yourself you're going to walk for five minutes. Five minutes. Get your shoes on, go for a walk for five minutes. Once you're out for five minutes, then your brain goes, well, I'm already out here. I might as well do another five. And if not, if five is all you can do, go back home. And the next day you do five again. And then the next day you can do six and the next day you can do seven. And you just kind of build on it and build on it until you're moving for longer and longer periods of time without kind of um, creating that resistance where your brain is like, Oh, I don't want to walk for half an hour. I don't have time. It's too much. It's too much trouble. Um, 
And you can even walk five minutes a few times a day at different times. It doesn't have to all be in a row. You're still moving, right? And these are really good ways to get your body moving, to get your brain moving, to change your brain chemistry and actually feel less exhausted. And for people who don't feel good about themselves, and when I say people, I'm talking about me. For people who don't feel good about them, and I'll say people, okay, because I, I don't want to take it on. But if, you, if you're not in a place where you feel great or you're, you know, you're somebody who you know, really says mean things to yourself sometimes and, um, and, and your head just sort of goes that way. You know, what can you do? What's a, is there a brain hack that you can do? I mean, we've talked about so many different Mm -hmm. ones, Mm -hmm. Um, but, but what's the signal? Do you, what's the signal to wake up and actually say, wait a minute, I don't have to say those things to myself or I don't have to treat myself this way. Well, it's interesting to say that because when you wake up in the morning, it is literally a fresh start. And what a lot of people do is they wake up and they go, oh, what was I feeling yesterday? Oh yeah, I was feeling that. Okay. I'm going to feel that today too. You wouldn't go in your closet and put on the same clothes unless you had to, right? right? You wore yesterday. You can actually wake up and decide to put on a different emotional outfit, right? And really think about it. This is a really simple exercise that you can do. You kind of imagine yourself in the same mood that you were in yesterday in this kind of, you know, heavy, dense kind of, uh, it's almost anhedonia anhedonia is this stage where you just kind of feel like meh about everything, right? It's a very heavy state. So you imagine yourself in that state and then you imagine that you split yourself in two and there's another version of you now beside you, you're literally beside yourself. There's another version of yourself that's feeling different, that has a little bit more energy, that's just feeling a little bit more excited about life and just feeling pretty good. And then you close your eyes and you step to the right and you literally imagine stepping into that other version of yourself. Now, this is so simple and it sounds so silly, but we've said many times on this show that the midbrain cannot tell the difference between a metaphor, something you're imagining or visualizing and something that's really happening. So when you actually physically move your body and imagine stepping into another version of yourself, your midbrain, the part of your brain that's very reactive and very primal, buys it. It's like, oh, okay. And that can actually work for a few minutes. And then it's your job to keep it. And that goes back to some of the stuff we talked about before. Be really picky about what you think about. Where thoughts go, energy flows. So what do you want to be thinking about all day? What you don't want or what you do want? So you actually take control. And if you're, if you're ruminating or, you know, complaining in your head about things, or you find yourself with a family member, just kind of bitching about whatever it is that you're talking about, force yourself to stop and think about something neutral or find a thought that's slightly better than the thought you just had. You can't jump all the way to, oh, I'm so lucky. And I have this and I have that. Cause then you're just going to feel guilty. Well, now I shouldn't even feel, now I feel guilty for feeling terrible because I, you know, there's people that are worse off that often doesn't help. But if you can find one thing, one tiny thing that you can be grateful for in that moment and fixate on that and think about that and resonate on that and then find another one and then find another one and then find another one. Over time, you will develop this incredible ability. You're literally rewiring your brain to effectively and quickly shift your mood. So instead of, instead of, and this is a time of year, New Year's resolutions and not even resolutions, but thinking about how the new year is going to be different, what kind of a year you want it to be, what, to picture it. If you, if you can feel those things now, any part of them, small part of them, or feel what's good now, mm-hmm. that almost, it puts you in a better state than, than projecting something in the future. Yes, absolutely. Stay in the now, stay in the moment. That's the only thing you really only have control. Well, okay. There's two things you always have control of in life, how you see something. So your perception, and then what you choose to do about it, right? So moment to moment to moment, you can be making a choice. And it really, it's really about sort of, you know, training your brain to behave itself. So it doesn't run away with you. Feelings and emotions, um, don't have to control you. You can control them. Okay. Well, I want to bring in our guest who's been waiting patiently. Um, and and even if, if she's still there, it will be, again, a, a good surprise. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I've known her for a while. And she's a terrific writer, very well-respected 
great writer and uh, written on all kinds of shows, uh, including the critically acclaimed uh, Secret Life of Boys for BBC, but Mom and George Lopez and Samantha, who I love that show. And uh, she's a comic, but also a meditation teacher, also a writing teacher, a teacher by nature, I think. Laura House. <laughs> Laura. Uh, Hello, I, I've come to guide you. Please, God, you are the guy. You're the spirit guide. So, what do you need? A mantra? A screenplay? You're, what do you need? You're everything. <laughs> you do it. You are a natural teacher. You're such a good teacher. I mean, you talk. Oh, if you, you can teach Eddie Pepitone how to meditate, you're okay. I mean, you're doing okay. <laughs> My eyes pupil. Yeah, he is, and he is. If you can do so, so now tell me. You know, first of all, I, I think. You know, look, you're a meditation teacher. You practice Vedic meditation. You've been doing it for years, and you've had a lot of changes in your life um, recently. So tell me what's going on and where are you, and how does how does a meditation teacher like live through all of the crap that we're dealing with here? <laughs> um, well, first of all, question for you. You described me as your first meditation teacher, so why did you need <laughs> more <laughs> so i couldn't i couldn't I've had help 15, but I, uh, I haven't no. heard anything else you've said no it's all it's all about it's all me laura it has nothing to do with the teacher no actually you're the meditation teacher and then the the rest of the people are all people that you know it's christian bavakwa and tom knowles oh. right oh yeah all right so more vedic no those are upgrades so that's good that's it there's nobody else in the world Oh, those are also my teachers. Yeah, they, All right, they come from you. It's a direct line to you. So there you go. Oh, that's so nice. Um, so now, so so now, what's what's going on? What's happening? You're, as I said, I sense that you weren't here in LA. That you're in Texas. So this is very interesting. When you say you sense, this is from social media, probably, huh? It might be, but it all, I just get a, I don't know. I got a sense of a big change and I didn't know, I didn't know that your dad had passed because I'm not great with, with social media and I, and I'm feel very, I'm very sorry to hear that. That's so. okay. I mean, I don't write about it that much. Okay. I sort of announced it and it's not really something you keep mentioning, but yeah. Um, yeah. My, well, I mean, I don't even know what sort of chunk of time to look at. I can I can tell you in broad strokes. Two years ago, uh, I've I'm adopted and I found my biological family, and then one year ago, um, almost exactly, my my dad passed away in September. In August, he was like having issues, and I came home to Texas from L.A. and it was. Um, this is part of what the big difference was. And if I cry, it's just, no, that's just a normal thing to do when you talk about this sort of thing. But I, it's, my brother called me, I was, I was planning to come home in September um, just to visit my dad, me and my fiance, just to visit. Cause that's what you do sometimes. And my brother called me in August and said, um, Hey dad wanted me to tell you he's having a hard time walking to the kitchen. And I was like, well, that's, that's not okay. That's not, that's not just something you announce and then get on with your day. And, um, he was like, no, no, he said, he's fine. He's just, you know, he gets real tired, you know, walking across the room. Anyway, I ended up going home. I sort of had to, my dad was like easily annoyed and I had to like a lot of dads, like I had to, I just made up like, I don't have anything else going on. I did. I was teaching and I had several (laughs) things going on, but I was, uh, anyway, so I came home by the end of the week, my dad couldn't stand up. And so I was, it's, I had certainly experienced people passing before. I had never been there for it. I had never seen like a body go from like being your kind of grumpy old dad who's tired to a body that can't stand up to putting, you know, getting him in hospice care and me calling my brother to come home and then, you know, like just sitting with him until he died. Like, Mm. like that's, I think that's where the changes of like, like I was living with death. Like I, I moved into the house, the house that I'm actually in right now. And my brother did too. And we were just, tw- we just took shifts and 24 hour care and lifting cups to, I mean, and, and I do want to say this of like, 
it's beautiful. Like it's a, it's amazing because here's this person who raised me and now I get to care for him in in some ways. And then it's also just brutal. And, um, you know, at night, like, is it going to happen tomorrow? What am I going to wake up to? And then, you know, just, I would just tell myself like, yeah, it it might happen tomorrow. Like, like, there's such a weird reality to death where like, we think of it sometimes as like, well, don't be so negative. (laughs) Like, I think my dad might die. Well, don't be negative. Just, you know, you should think positively. It's like, no, it's a real thing that's happening. So that was a profound change. And I mentioned finding my birth family because as my dad was, I have a relationship with my birth mother now. My my mother has passed passed away like 15 years ago. My birth mother is so nice and she also lives in Texas and I let her know what was going on with my dad. And if you can imagine this, she said, do you want me to fly up and help you? Wow. Oh boy. <laughs> my birth mother was like, I will help you tend to your dying father. And I was like, no, thank you. But <laughs> like, I, yeah. um, so much love where my whole adult life and Ed, you, you would get this as a comic and also someone who's known my whole, like as a comic, like, I think part of my point of view was like, I was adopted. I wasn't meant to, but like, I wasn't really loved as a, as a baby, you know, like I was like, I've had this like defensive rebellion. I'm a sober alcoholic. So I have this inherent unnecessary rebellion (laughs) and defensiveness about everything. And it's like in the past two years, it was like, no, I was completely loved by someone who gave me to a family who loved me also completely. (laughs) It was like, Oh, I've really been mad for nothing for literally my whole life. This is amazing. And this is amazing. And so I'm going to put this in the Smithsonian for, for for this is amazing because because not only are you talking about you know life and death and you and and new life because you're you're talking about now I've been through that process with both my parents and mm. it is a blessing it is a yeah. horror but it is also yep. a blessing um because you know what what happens is the only thing that's required of you now there may be physical things you may have to caretake there could be a lot of things that you have to straighten out, you have to do. But really what's required of you is to be present. Mm-hmm. You yeah. are present with that person and they sense that you're there, even if they're yeah. not fully there. And yeah. that, that, that type of behavior, that type of experience, what happens is it wakes you up into the human being that you really are. Yeah, that's what happens. And so all of a sudden, all this bullshit that you've been doing the rest of your life, you stop all the money chasing. Mm -hmm. You're just like, oh, my God, I've only cared. I remember my mom died. I and then I will say the name of the show because it makes it funnier. So I remember when my when my mom passed away, I was I had just got my first network writing job. I had starred on Austin Stories and it was a cable show. And then a few years later, I got more into writing than performing. And I get hired on a sketch show network, the WB or whatever it was. And it blue collar TV. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm writing on blue collar TV, a network show. You're making three grand a week. You're writing for Larry, the cable guy, which you don't, <laughs> isn't that exciting, but the money's great. And sure. you're like, Oh my God, like I'm a network television writer, writers guild, blah, blah, blah. The worst thing I could imagine day one of that job was, well, what if I don't get picked up for a second season? Like, what if I don't, like, what if I don't make it? And 10 weeks later, my mom died. And just how it throws, just like the pandemic did for literally everyone this year. Yeah, it just throws into stark relief of like, oh my God, what I thought was important two months ago seems so stupid. (laughs) Like, oh my God, what if Larry the Cable Guy doesn't like me? Larry the Cable Guy, not quite as important. Close, but not quite (laughs) as important at that time. No. Still a big, it's all relevant. But yeah, like when March, you know, the middle of March happened this year, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe what I was upset about in February. But I mean, it's normal. You know, we all have relative wants and needs. It's not like we're doing something wrong, but it is just so funny when you're like, oh, 
no, this is important. Well, I think I think I think what breaks your what breaks my heart and anybody who who's has having this experience is that there are so many people now who have had people pass and they can't oh be God. there. Yeah. Oh my God. So yeah. That is to me, I don't understand how people get through that because that is to me such a, because it is a gift to be yeah. present at that time. And Jennifer, maybe you can speak to this, you know, yeah. the, the kind of change that, 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 that has, I know your mom passed this year as well. We had to do a whole zoom funeral. It was, Oh, I'm so sorry. It was bizarre, but, but also the family that I have here, I mean, it definitely, we just pulled together and it made us even close. Listen, you find a way that's what we do. And, and that's why when I said a few minutes ago that we really just only have control over two things, right? Your perspective, how you see things and then what you choose to do about it. Right. You can, you cannot control conditions in life. You can't, but you can always control how you respond to them. Now, now I will tell you, this is, I, I'm going to try to make this really short, but my father was in assisted living back East and I was flying back and forth every week and he was in assisted living and he got into hospice. There was hospice coming in and he was sort mm-hmm. of in that there's like a nether world that people go into before they pass. And so he was half in and half out. So there was a concert in the big living room and the woman is playing Name That Tune. And it looked like the cast of Cocoon out there. And she's (laughs) playing Name That Tune. (laughs) My father like slumps in a chair and he's out. But he did want to go down there because he he used to sing his whole life. So he wanted to be around music. So she's Mm. playing Name That Tune and she's playing a song and she says, does anybody know the name of this tune? My father wakes up out of his stupor (laughs) and screams the words, I want to die, screams those words and then goes back to sleep. And the woman says, without missing a beat, good guess. It's the theme from Dr. Zhivago. <laughs> and that is an exact, I'm not making a word of it that up. And so, good guess. Good guess. Thanks very much. Yeah. He's out and he's in. Um, Thanks for so, trying. Points wow. for effort. Great it's actually Dr. Shabar. A lot of people say that. It's actually Dr. <laughs> yeah, and And of course, when he's screaming, I want to die, nobody bats an eye because who who doesn't? Like we're yeah. all going, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was, anyway, that's like wow. one, of, one of the many Indeed. moments that that's was incredible. around there. And, and now, so, but now you're living in, you're living there. Your well, parents have passed. What is going on? Like what, like, like how has this changed your life and how do you, you know, you're a meditation person. You're, you're, you know, what, how do you look at things now and how do you take care of yourself? So many questions. Yes. um, Well, I would say as a meditation person, that made this pandemic easier, to be honest, because part of meditation is, you know, you let go, you let go of everything you want, even for the the 20 minutes you're going to meditate, you let go, like there's other stuff you would be doing, (laughs) but you let go of everything and, and you actually in the moments of meditation. And this is sort of on a, on a deeper level, you really, you for these, you know, the 20 minutes I meditate, I let go of my entire identity, like all my hopes and dreams and, you know, specifics. And it's like, you, you just go, you just let go of everything. And so when a huge change happens, like, Hey, don't leave the house. (laughs) It's like, Oh, I guess I'll let go of all my preferences yet again. I've been practicing that for 15 years. So I guess I, you know, a little, it comes a little easier. And I also, I mentioned I'm a sober alcoholic. Like that's a, that was also helpful. I talked to, uh, you know, I talked to my sober friends all the time. Like we're all hanging in there together and but in a way, it, it's a weird advantage to have gotten sober because, I mean, A, to be sober through this. But but even more than that, it's like everybody who got sober, like, gave themselves over to an unknown new existence and had to give up their very favorite thing, <laughs> the only thing they've ever really loved, <laughs> and had to wow. go, this is working and I don't know what's next, but I assume I'll hate it, but I have to do it. So, okay. 
And so like a level of surrender that's, you know, completely bludgeoning and it actually turned out fine. So a, a lot of us were talking about like, God, that was kind of good practice for this yeah. insane request. I mean, at the request of the government or God or whomever, hey, don't let anybody breathe on you. Anyway. <laughs> I have an announcement to make. Nobody moves. Yeah, what, yeah. what an insane, I mean, it, we've normalized it because you have to get through the day, but every now and then my mind just goes, can you believe this is happening? I mean, this is, in, it's insane. It is. Yeah. Even if it were only for a week, if it had only been for one week, right now we would be going, can you believe that crazy week in March? <laughs> where we didn't leave the house, but it's not, it's the whole year. I know. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a never ending snow day, but you can't play. (laughs) We're all in groundhog day. We're all, it's, it's, and normally like everybody's problems are different. Right. And for for like the first time in a long time, all, you know, we all have this, giant problem in common it's so wild nobody's ahead and nobody's behind everybody is connected and this is this is something that really does connect you to the world and even if you feel disconnected to the world you you can't can't avoid it so i mean but people are still ahead or or behind and you know in kind of the circumstances that you know like like we were playing musical chairs and it's like the world just stopped like you were, yeah. you were saying, you know, when you put your head on the desk, it was like, stop. And we all just grabbed our first chair and, yeah. you know, so many people in bad relationships or single or, you know, with too many people in the house, like there were a lot of <laughs> less than ideal situations. And, sure. sure. Um, well, it's, it, it, uh, Jennifer, I, I yeah. want to, uh, you know, speak to a couple things. There's so much, these are such big, big things that are bringing yeah. up. Wait, yeah. agree. Look, I don't, I don't, for small talk. No, that's what I love about you. This is great. I come here for big talk. <laughs> this is great. That's we're going to change the name of the podcast. Uh, but, but no, the 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 uh, she Laura brings up so many big issues, and one of them is is grief. Yeah. And for anybody who's listening, who's going through this process now, what? Sure. How do you how do you deal with? letting yourself be in a state of grief. Right. Well, so two things. One, you kind of surrender a little bit. And Laura was talking about that. Let yourself feel it. It's a very human experience. It's okay to feel grief. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel whatever you're feeling. Feelings are information. And the more you ignore them, the louder they get. So you you really do want to surrender, notice them, feel them, register them, and then release them. You just You just don't want to be dwelling there. And, you know, the second part is really where all of our power lies is in how we perceive things, right? So we can perceive it as victims and this is terrible and I feel sorry for myself and this is awful and here are all the ways that it's affecting my life or, and you don't really have a choice, (laughs) you're stuck either way. So sort of looking at your circumstances and deciding, okay, what can I learn? What's my lesson? What can I get better at? And for a lot of people actually, you know, being home in this pandemic has meant all kinds of positive things. I mean, there's been a lot of negativity, but, you know, people are playing more board games and they're hanging out, (laughs) they're they're in nature more and they're, they're off their screens, even, you know, because you have to be on it for work and for life. So many people are sick of them. So we're reading Mm -hmm. books and we're, you know, we're, we're, we're doing things in a different way. And, And that's really all you can do, right? You can really only control your perception, and it's whatever lens you're putting on it. And and our real power comes from being students in this life, not victims in this life. Mm-hmm. And then you, you feel better and you feel stronger when you can do that. And of course, you're going to have moments during the day where you feel sorry for yourself and let yourself go there and don't judge and don't be mean to yourself. Just surrender a little bit and then use those strategies we talked about to kind of pull yourself out of it and try to stay out of it for longer and longer periods of time. And that's really all we've got until this whole thing kind of we figure it out. One of the one of the things that I had to do when my mom passed, um, because I was there with her when she passed away, and it, it really mm-hmm. taught me profound uh, lesson because her spirit was so much bigger than her body mm-hmm. and her body was struggling. And mm-hmm. so I stayed in the room with her after she passed for a yes. while. 
Yeah. And I felt her spirit like fill the room. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! And oh, but wow. I saw her turn her head, and then she was then she passed. So uh, mm-hmm. it was just the two of us in a hospital room. So so I, you know, I learned so much in that moment. Is like there's so much struggle, so much resistance being in this body and trying to mm-hmm. fight things, yeah. and just anything that you can do to release or let mm-hmm. go or breathe or open up or expand in any way or just not resist what is, mm-hmm. is such a freedom. Yeah, that's the biggest piece. Ed. And, and when I was talking about grief, I was literally talking about, you know, people grieving that they can't go out and life has changed so much. But mm-hmm. you're talking about grief of losing a parent or a family member, that kind of grief. And for that grief, you really just have to feel it. You have to turn around and walk towards it and just sit in it. And let it, you can't go over it. You can't go under it. You can't go around it. You have to go through it and let you just sort of immerse yourself in those feelings and feel it all. And the brain is amazing because you can only be upset for, for a certain amount of time. Now you notice that if you're at a, back when we could go to funerals, you know, people are sad and then they're laughing and then they're talking about great things. And there's these sort of 20 minute cycles, right? Where the brain just naturally knows how to help you float up above sometimes and then go back into it you sort of dip your feet back into it and time is really the only thing you can do but but feeling it and surrendering to it is so huge it really is well i think i had a i had a therapist at the time this was many years ago and i thought that once i started feeling something i wasn't going to stop so i wouldn't let mm-hmm. myself a lot of and people so, feel that way so he gave me a clock yeah. he said here's an <laughs> alarm clock and what you're going to do is you're going to take out everything that reminds you of your mom. You're going to indulge yourself and you're going to give yourself 10 or 15 minutes. You're going to set the alarm. And then at the end of the 15 minutes, the alarm's going to go off. And when the alarm goes off, you're going to take all the stuff and you're going to put it back and then you're going to go on with your day. And that's how I you're going to learn that you don't actually die when you feel things. Yeah. A lot of people worry about that. Though. They worry that it's a floodgate and you'll never be able to put all those emotions back in. But your body knows what to do. And your loved one wouldn't want you to be sad all the time either. Right? That's the other piece. And and so Laura, there you are. And you're so you're living in this this house that was your your parents' house. Um, <laughs> and and how are you how are you what do you do? How do you make it your house? Or how are you making it well, your space? This is um I, you know, I, we just kind of made space for ourselves in a way, but I mean, this is such a I mean, what a, what a wild, I don't even have a good word for it um, as a writer because it's so vast what, what happened this year. Um, you know, like, like again, I, I keep thinking of what you said about, you know, the head on the desk, like, oh, good, everything just stopped. Like, everything just stopped in a way for everybody all at once, you know, like a, around the globe. Certainly, you know, normal what what felt like normal life uh, did. So it led to a lot of like, you, it was also said, you know, a lot of, there have been a lot of positive changes. Like I learned achy breaky heart on the guitar. So, you know, there was, it's not for nothing this time we're given, but um, I never, I was never going to move back home. I would never, I, I barely visit. Like once I went to college, I was like, I'm out of here. Even in high school, I was a foreign exchange student, I appreciate that you mentioned Norway twice. I lived in Norway for a year. <laughs> it is incredibly lovely. And I went to, I just, it was no coming back. Whereas my, my brother lives a half hour from here and he has his whole adulthood. So, I mean, he's much more successful than me. So I don't, I don't mean to make it sound bad. Anyway, <laughs> he's, uh, so, but I was like, I'm in LA, I'm different. I'm doing my thing. And, I, and so I like to, it's like nothing would make me move back home ever except if the whole world shut down, everything goes online. And I happen to have a free house that I inherited in near Dallas. And so that's, I'm sort of squatting in my own house, I guess. We, we haven't moved. All my stuff is in storage in LA, but we were renting. And basically I've been, I'm making this way too long, but essentially I've been house hunting for a year the housing market in LA is deeply depressing (laughs) and like, we're like a million dollars. Isn't that much in LA. It's, it's really insane. And like a half a million dollars is like a two bedroom 
house an hour outside of town. And, uh, this, this year you mentioned, I write on secret life of boys. So just like everything, it, it shut down in March. We, we were finishing up on scripts and they were like, look, we're probably not going to be able to shoot it. So let's just finish. I was the head writer. And it said, you know, they just said, let's finish up these scripts and then we'll, we'll, maybe we can shoot them in 2021. Who knows what the world is going to do. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'm out of a job in April. And then I was out of the job for about a week, which is when I learned Achy Breaky Heart on guitar. And then, and then they called back and they were like, or can we shoot? And I had to rewrite the whole season for coronavirus. Like, like not that we mentioned coronavirus in the show, but taking out extras, taking out group scenes, keeping it mostly to the core cast, cutting it from 10 episodes down to eight, and then we dropped down to six. It was like, okay, then they're going to go ahead and shoot, but I won't be able to go. So I'm out of a job in July. Unless, (laughs) and at the very last minute, one of the producers was like, come to Ireland to film this show. And so I had a job. So I am one of the luckiest people that I know of this year in that I not only had a job, I had a job that took me to Ireland. And for two months for mid-July through mid-September, I worked on a TV show like outside of Belfast. We were all tested, wore masks. We were, you know, the COVID safety precautions were um, very high and very in place. We we did not even need Tom Cruise to yell at us, but we did get yelled at like that once a week. <laughs> like once a week, like one of the producers was like, I'm telling you, you guys, you have to, you can't mess around with this. And so I'm all for people yelling at people to, you know, stay cautious. Anyway, it was in Ireland, honestly, that I, and we were still house hunting like on Redfin, um, for a house in LA. And I just did not miss LA at all. I mean, Ed, you're there. (laughs) (laughs) No, please. I live in a great area. It's, it's like gorgeous. It's like a gorgeous area, but I would say. Gorgeous is not the problem. It's just so stressful. The industry and the city. Yeah. It's not, it's not what you see, what you're talking about. These are extremes. You're talking about like life, like life is not worrying about anything really, but life is not worrying about what kind of, you know, what, what shows you're going to get on. Like that's not what living is. That's something else. (laughs) And we spend a lot of time thinking about that stuff. And and so does everybody else who lives around you. A lot of people do. And that was something that actually was explained to me. And when you were talking about the happiest places in the world in Norway, I remember someone saying to me, cause they used to, they used to explain very simple things to me. Like, like I would be like, well, why don't, you know, we can just go through a drive through or something. <laughs> and I remember my host family being, you know, I was like, I guess, we, you know, I guess we can go through drive through and eat in the car or whatever. And they just looked at me like, why would I eat in my car? And I was like, well, cause you're in a hurry. And they're like, what, how much of a hurry do I have to be in to eat as I'm driving? And I was like, I never really, I never really looked at it. (laughs) It's just something very normal where I'm from. They didn't have, they might have microwaves more normally now, but at the time they didn't, they were like, why do I need my food in 15 seconds? And I was like, huh. But they, they explained to me one time, they said, look, we're not trying to be a superpower. Like we're just trying to, they talked about, um, there was a thing that came up when I lived there of, of like whether or not to like knock down some trees to expand a parking lot. And I was like, well, obviously do that. Like that's what progress is. And, (laughs) and my host dad was like, why do I need to tear down a tree that's been there for hundreds of years just so I don't have to walk like a hundred extra steps? To go to work, I can walk a hundred extra steps, and I was like, "Wow, wow, this place is weird." <laughs> but I, but I realized the, and that's been my in my perception ever since yeah. of the difference of, oh, 
the whole American mentality of bigger, better, best millionaire After, superpower yeah. dominance yeah. Mm. trickles down to every aspect of our life, like how we eat cereal, probably yeah. like just every aspect of every thing. And even if you're not pursuing it, you're, you're kind it's of in your psyche. silently shamed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you have to kind of, you have to really shut it off and right. make conscious choices to stop. You know, Thich Nhat Hanh always talks about stopping as an action. Yeah, it's not a resignation; it's actually an action mm-hmm. that you take. That's what you're talking about, Ed. That's th- that's not living, eating in your car and driving. Living is sitting in a park and feeling the sun on your face, right, and listening to the birds and feeling the wind on your face, which happens and we ignore it all the time. And that's actually, those are the moments. And when we talk about finding little ways to think about neutral things and take your mind away from the negative, it sometimes it's just those simple little things that actually pull you back into balance. When I was working in Ireland, they put me up in a, it was a little apartment, a little farmhouse apartment. (laughs) So it was this house on a farm, I mean, I'm coming from mid-city LA, and it's this house, it's this apartment on a farm, and a little family lived in the the farm with like, you know, young 30-year-old parents and two little kids, and the, the it was not meant to be, they, they were actually, they were like, it was one of their worst places that they gave anyone else to live, but they didn't expect me to come, so <laughs> it was what I ended up with, but they... What I mean is it wasn't meant to be spectacular. Right. But when I opened the door, it was these like, like rolling meadows. Wow. And sometimes the sheep and the cows were in the pasture that were right when the door opened. And I could just walk down and like cows would come over to the fence and I could kind of hang out with them and or sheep would stare at me they're a little more standoffish they're sheepish that's why I wear that word anyway but they it was just so it was so lovely it was it was just simple and peaceful yeah complete yes completely lovely and a nice little ride to work and you know, and then I'm, I'm doing a job that I, I really enjoy this show. And, but my point is that I, I so didn't miss kind of my life or life or LA or what I had been used to. And I just, as we were house hunting, I just said to my fiance, like after a month, I just said, can we be happy anywhere else? (laughs) I was just like anywhere else at all. And also with meditation, I know I can be happy anywhere. So it was a little bit rhetorical, but essentially, can we make a living somewhere yeah. else? And, and he's a musician. So we started talking about Austin because I lived in Austin for 10 years. It's where I went to college and I started doing stand up. So here's where we are in life. And we I do not know the how this story will end. I decided, so I came home in September and I was we were still renting in L.A., And I became very clear about what a hazard that is for your finances. And I just said, why don't we put our stuff in storage and go hang out for winter? Because all all the news reports were like, hey, winter is going to be real bad (laughs) virus wise. I was like, apparently winter is going to be real bad. My job is still online. He still can't do his job. He's a trumpet player. And I was like, we have this house in Grand Prairie, Texas, a town I never, ever, I literally never thought I would step foot in this town again. And I was like, why don't we just go hang out in that house for like November, December, January, February, and then see what the world looks like. And if we want to come back to LA, we'll come back to LA. And if we decide we want to, you know, stay in Texas and buy a house there, then let's do that. And that's what we're doing. Like just this giant life change that we never would have fathomed a year ago. It sounds really, it sounds really good to me. I mean, what what occurs to me is just listening to you is that uh, you've been through so much. The world has been through so much and you've come to a place where you're, you're fine you're actually mm. fine. Look, I knew I've known you for years. 
and I've known you before all of this happened, and I'm telling you, you're, the whole tone of, of your spirit <laughs> and of who you are, you're fine. And that is what, that is such a pleasure. And that's what I wish for people listening. Listen, everybody who's listening to this has been through some kind of hell this year. Mm -hmm. Everybody. Oh, whatever it is, whatever your particular brand of hell is, however intense your brand of hell is, whatever it is. But in these moments, in these moments of sitting, in these moments of not doing, in these moments of connection, in these moments of whatever it is that makes you the human being that you are you're fine. And, uh, you know, so that's all I have to say. And, uh, I'm jumping out the window now. Now, fortunately I'm on the first <laughs> floor, um, but I am jumping. Um, no, and, and I just want to close it off that way. And this is to be continued, Laura, we're going to check in again. And, uh, I can't thank you enough for thank spending you, the time. It's so nice to talk to you both. Yeah. I feel like I just concluded like, it really is just the simple things like you were talking about, Jennifer, and like mm-hmm. in the list you read, Ed, of just like littlest. Or when my dad died, I was just like, I just want to go kick a ball <laughs> in the yard. And I did. I went and bought a ball because I was like, because I have a body and I can. And I just want to use it. In those moments, yeah. And that's what we all need to, you know, find what, whatever it is. Uh, but that's always there. Can I mention... Um, I do a podcast we started called Tiny Victories where we yes. we talk about it's a tiny podcast on maximum fun it's just 15 minutes long and I do it with New York Times bestselling author Annabelle Gerwich it was it was her idea and it's we talk about this stuff essentially tiny victories yeah. we celebrate <laughs> we celebrate uh like un uh, like fleeting joys and minor accomplishments, <laughs> like the stuff that your brain goes, no, no, that's not a big deal. We go, let's make it a big deal and tiny victories. And it, it's exactly what we're talking about here, where you just get a dose of like some tiny victory. Well, wow. that is fantastic. First of all, Anna, Annabelle is an old friend and I love oh, her. But- and, uh, and, and I'm going to tune into that on Maximum Fun Tiny Victories, Laura House, Annabelle Gerwich. Um, I want to thank you, Jennifer, for an incredible, just an incredible adventure this year. It's really I'm very that. grateful to know you, and and I, you have helped me infinitely, Aww. as well as anybody who's listened to this show. So, um, so thank you, and um, best to everybody who's listening. We'll have a whole new show next week. It'll be a whole new year, but it will continue. Um, it will continue on and, you know, just hang in there. Take care. Listen to the podcast if you can. Subscribe where you want. Come to makelightmedia.com, M-A-K-E-L-I-G-H-T, media.com. All the notes, everything, all the details are there, but you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. I'm Ed Krasnick for Jennifer Kalari for Laura House in Grand Prairie, Texas. We'll see you next time.